She's lost in peaceful I turn out the lights And lay there in the dark And the thought crosses my mind If I In the morning Would she ever doubt the way I feel about her in my heart If tomorrow never comes Will she know how much I loved her? Did I try in every way To show her every day That she's my only one My time were through. She must face this world without me. Is the love I gave her in the past enough to last? If tomorrow never comes, cause I've lost loved ones in my life. How much I love them. Now I live with the regret that my true feelings for them never were. So I made a promise to myself to say today how much she means to me. And avoid that circumstance where there's no second chance to tell her how I feel. Cause if tomorrow never comes, will she know how much I loved her? Did I try in every way? If tomorrow never comes. Uh, we're with Ken Blazy, and uh, we want to talk about which song first. Let's talk about uh, If Tomorrow Never Comes. I met Garth Brooks when he was cleaning churches and selling boots. And I had a demo studio, and I had singers like Randy Travis and Joe Diffie, Martina McBride, Faith Hill, uh, and Billy Dean, who's here on the show. 
and none of them could get record deals. And so they in Nashville, if you sing like I do, you find really good people to sing your work tape to present it to a label so it sounds better. And so Garth thought he could make more money doing uh, demos than cleaning churches. And so he brought me a cassette of six songs. And I said, well, I'll start using you. You sound really great. And um, so we set up a time to write this song because uh, he said, I'm a songwriter too. And I said, well, you know, why not write a song? And he came in the first day. And when we write with any other co-writers, if uh, you and I were writing a song or whatever, you would like to hope you would have some good in and they would have some good ideas to bring in. So I had my ideas together for him because I didn't really know anything about him yet. And he walked in and at the time he was wearing uh, a big cowboy hat and a duster and boots. And he looked like he was like eight feet tall. And he came in and he stood above me and he goes, I got this idea. I've run by 25 writers and nobody likes it. And I looked up at him and I said, gee, thanks. I said, well, let me hear it, you know? And so played me what he had and he said well what's wrong with it and i said well you're killing somebody off in the first couple lines of the song so it's like killing off tom cruise and mission impossible three minutes in the movie there's really nowhere else to go and you do and i told him and he said okay that's what we'll do so at the end of the day we had a song and i had my little studio so he did a guitar vocal which garth and a guitar can't be too bad we pitched it around town for a and nobody was interested in it. And so we were going to get together and rewrite the song. And he got a call the week before we were going to rewrite it to come and sing one song at the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. An artist who was supposed to do it shown up. And they said, you can sing one song and that's it. So he came in. He sang this song. Somebody from Capitol Records who'd passed on him for the third time that week was in the audience to hear the other artist. And he said, we missed something. Why don't you come back in? He came back in. He got a record deal. And this was his second single and his first number one. And so do you remember where it was where you first met? Whose house? It was, it was at my house. I had my in the house and in the upstairs part of the house. And so uh, I would write downstairs and my studio was upstairs. But uh, he came in and it was right in the living room of my house that he uh, he came in the first his cassette and then he came back a few months later and we wrote in that room and it was just i thought at the end of the session this guy's like 25 going on 50 you know and uh we've been friends written a bunch of songs together i think we've had five number ones together and uh you know it's great in this uh business if you stay friends with somebody you know i've written number one songs with people that i never hear from again so it means a lot to me that we're still friends and still talk and still write together. And he was 25, and how old were you? I was probably 32. Going on? Probably 12. <laughs> so it was a good conversation. Yeah, it was a good and, and he was just very mature? He was very mature for his age, yes. Um, I don't meet very many 25-year-olds. And I think in the 20 or 30 years since then, 25-year-olds have gotten younger as far as how they deal with things because of cell phones and helicopter parents and all that. But he'd been kind of out on his own for a while and he has a good savvy feel with the world. And, and I think that gave him a depth that I have. So he comes in with a song outline mm -hmm. that 
many other songwriters in Nashville had rejected right. working on. Mm -hmm. And what was it that made you, what was it about the outline that grabbed you to be a good yeah. song? My mother used to tell me, tell the people that you love how you feel about them while they're still alive. And that was the concept that I saw in that song that I wanted to bring out to him. When I kind of told him that, he kind of got what I was aiming for. And then I got the angle he was aiming for, and it all fell into place. And it's really cool because you never know when you write with somebody how it's going to go the first time, whether there's going to be a chemistry or you can't agree or nobody likes anybody else's or whatever. But that clicked, and uh, it's still clicking. So that's really cool. So were you and Garth thinking about anyone in particular at that time, or was this a song to go out? We're talking about... A friend of his that had died that had maybe been a uh, rodeo rider, and so that was in his mind. But then it was basically just a song we were writing for our wives too, just so that, and that was it. But it, it, uh, you know, you get letters from all over the world on how it's touched people. So it's been used in weddings and funerals and everything else. It's very interesting. And so your wife, Sharon. How long were you married to her at the time? Uh, let me think. Probably eight years when we wrote that song. So you come home with this song, mm -hmm. in part is Muse. Right. And how does she react? What does she think? Well, you know, it's tough when you're a songwriter's wife because you're hearing the stuff they've created all the time. Let me play you this. Let me play you that. And so on. Like, well, that's pretty good, you know, but it wasn't like, wow, that's the best thing you've ever done or something like that. And um, for me, it was, I didn't ever know if it'd be a hit or whatever, but it was the song that I wanted to write would maybe if people heard it, change their lives, you know, make them appreciate what they had or whatever. And um, I'm just so proud that Garth was the artist that did it because I got to write it with him rather than somebody else recording it. And that First number one. Correct. So did you have a number one party? We did have a number one party. And uh, I wish I'd brought you a CD. I'm lucky enough to have a CD called Me and Garth that we've had so many songs together. But cover of it is uh, he and I standing together and he's holding a cake and it has a number eight on it because his first single went to number eight, much too young to feel this damn old. And his record label wasn't having a party for him. Didn't know anybody else who had a number eight record. So we had a party for him and got him a number eight cake. And in the picture, he's holding the cake, but holding up his finger like it's number one. And he's saying, if tomorrow never comes, it's going to be the next single and go number one. He was right. He has a way of predicting things like that. It's very interesting. That's just kind of the guy he is. I remember he called me up when he was still cleaning churches and selling boots. And he said, I saw where we're going to shoot the video for If Tomorrow Never Comes. As delusional he didn't even have a record deal or anything and a year later he called me up and said you know where i said we're shooting a video we're shooting it there today if you want to come out so he does those kind of things interesting where was that video where was that location on that it was shoot? up in um i think like hendersonville tennessee I'm trying to think there was somebody he knew i think it was larry gatlin's little daughter was the little thing and I can't remember who the elderly people were, but they were all people Garth knew that he asked to be in the video, which I thought was pretty cool.
Do you remember anything uh, unique about the actual production uh, song in the recording studio? Well, if you go back and listen to early Garth stuff, um, Alan Reynolds was his producer, and Alan Reynolds had done, I don't know, Don Williams, Kathy Matea, a bunch of people, but really just such a producer. And compared to what's country radio these days, it's very acoustic. I mean, it's almost like the demo's just a little bit less than what it's, it wasn't like overdone or anything else, just the song out. It was beautiful. Well, it's nice to not have to shop a song around. Exactly. Have the built-in artist of Garth Brooks. That that helps, you know. Uh, that was the last time we had to shop his songs around. So. so the song releases, not every song releases at number one. Right, yeah. It fought its way up because, you know, he was a new artist and um, Clint Black was really the hot person at the time. And so it was just but at the same time, Garth was out on the road touring in a bread truck. <laughs> but people that came to his show would be going, man, if, if they're telling their friends, if you haven't seen this guy, you need to come see him because there's nobody like him. And so I think that word spread like wildfire and helped uh, If Tomorrow Never Comes take off. Do you remember where you were the first time you heard it on the radio? You know, I was driving down into Music Row, and, you know, I don't even think he played it for me after he recorded it, so I heard it, finally heard it on the radio, and I just had to pull over, you know, it was like, this is the prayer I've been praying, and um, I'd seen him do it at a showcase when he was, he had an album release party, and he did it in that, but it was just so totally different hearing it on the radio. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.